Anything you don't want to talk about. Oh, Lord. Yeah, I'll do the intro. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Cockpits and Cocktails. It is one of your hosts, Natalie Flygirl Kelly, and I have my other lovely co-host on here. We have a very special guest, a good friend of mine who was also my roommate at Sun and Fun recently, Stephanie Getz. Hi, Stephanie. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. How are you? Fabulous. Just enjoying some sunshine out here. Yeah. So Stephanie is in in Vegas, and of course Alyssa is now in St. Louis. Although she's been in Vegas recently. We could have crossed paths. We totally did. I I was probably I could have stayed there a couple extra days. So I I'll be back out there in two weeks. So well, you should let me know. <laughs> Yeah, we just got back from Sun and Fun, and we had actually asked Stephanie to be on the show, um, I don't know, what was it, a couple weeks ago? I think I texted you, and I was like, hey, would you be willing to be on on the podcast? And I know a little bit about Stephanie, but I'm excited to learn more about her aviation journey and and background and all these other things that she's got going on. So I'm looking forward to, to kind of digging in a little bit with you, Stephanie. I can't wait. It's going to be fun. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Alyssa, I'll let you kind of start if you want. Have y'all, y'all met, right, at Sun and Fun? Yeah, we oh, met yes. at Sun and we Fun. We go way oh, back. We okay. go way back, like two weeks ago. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I didn't really get the chance to really talk to you at Sun and Fun, um, you know, because we're all going a million different ways in every direction. So, I mean, I guess we could just start with like how you got into aviation or like where where was your start? Yeah, it's definitely a little more non-conventional. So like growing up, I, we always took road trips places. There was never an airplane involved. It was always long road trips with families and I didn't really get in a plane uh, or really fly anywhere, I think till I was maybe middle school, but definitely high school and into college. And so for me, uh, my, my background is I was a newscaster who wanted to be a pharmacist, but instead went into broadcast journalism and <laughs> then did that for a decade and worked at NBC, CBS, and ABC affiliates and absolutely loved it. Did everything from sports to news to uh, everything in between. It was it was really an incredible, incredible career. Um, but partway through that career in broadcast, I was approached by a flight instructor who I think he was in his 80s at the time, which is awesome that he was instructing still. And also serendipitously, that same week that I had been approached by him when he said, hey, you should get into flying. You should try doing a discovery flight. I also met another guy who, um, who was a pilot who just happens to now be my husband. And so it all kind of serendipitously came together. And then a couple of years after that, I ended up starting my own business called Guts Communications, where I coach and do executive leadership coaching. And so it was a very interesting path where I started out uh, learning a little bit about it and kind of going, I've never even thought about flying. I never even thought this is something I could do, especially because I thought you had to have such a strong STEM background, science, technology, math, all of that, and engineering, when I was a broadcast journalist and uh, by trade. And I realized that so much of it came down to definitely, it came down to science and, and aerodynamics and all of that, but a lot of it was 
good decision making and critical thinking and and really truly a passion for it because there are a lot of days that can be kind of challenging. And so over time, I got to get exposed to aviation more um, through flying with my husband. I got to sit in the right seat and get experience there and just observe and do radios and that kind of thing. And then learn from him kind of through osmosis, you know, over that time. And then a few years uh, into knowing him, we were like, okay, this is, this is, this is my time. Why, why don't we do this? And in a year, roughly a little over a year and a half, I went from getting my private pilot's license all the way through to getting type rated in um, the CE 500 series for citations, as well as uh, CFI and MEI. So I, I, yeah, I worked really hard at it, but I was really, really blessed because I also had the opportunity to do that because I was uh, a business owner as well. So I could take the time I needed to spend on that. Uh, but it certainly was a lot, a lot of hours. And wow. A lot of time. In a year and a half? <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's, That's intense. Like I'm thinking my, my private took like six months and, you know, I was working full time, but man, I just, what a hustle. That's awesome. Wow. Thanks. It was, it was, it's, I think when you when you have the time, but also put your mind to something and have great resources and people around you that can support you and just help you on ground school or questions you have, or just be there when you're like, I can't do this. And they're like, yeah, you can. That that was super helpful to have people like that around me. Yeah. Well, what was your what was your intentions in pushing through all of that in a year? Like, you know, did you know you wanted to fly corporate or like what was your end goal when you started? It's interesting. I kind of had, there was, I, I kind of just had the idea of like, well, why not? I love doing this. So why don't I just keep going? I, uh, I've definitely lived my life in this sort of way where if there is something that fuels a fire inside of me and, and really fuels a deep passion in me that oftentimes I didn't even know existed until I jumped into that, that one thing that I now love, um, I follow it wholeheartedly because then the work comes or the joy from it or the hobby from it comes eventually from it. Um, that was kind of, especially how I got into broadcast, I didn't really exactly have a full intention of what I wanted to do with it, but I did know that I loved telling stories, I loved sports, and I loved being able to be a part of these really interesting, amazing events every day. So let's just see where it goes and it ended up being a great career. And so with, with aviation, uh, instead of having a really big goal in mind at the end of it, I was like, let's just see where this goes. Let's keep going and, and, and see what happens. And so now, um, I, I run a little flight training, uh, business in for multi-engine training. And so I never thought that I would be getting people their multi-engine ratings at all in my life. I didn't even know that existed, uh, <laughs> when I was growing up. And so I let that follow me and kept going and working really hard. And eventually then something came out of it. Now, of course, I, um, as I go here, it will be really fun to do some more, some corporate contract uh, sort of jobs. Cause I, I'd love to do more of the flying where people actually get to, you work with a family or a corporation. I love that kind of thing. Um, but right now it's just continuing to grow and build my skills and along the way help people. Yeah, that's cool. So you, um, we met, you and I met uh, at, it was Oshkosh, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and one of the things, you had brought someone else to me uh, to introduce me and actually interviewed her. Um, 
But, like, you never told me really anything about your story. It was kind of like, why was I not interviewing her, too? <laughs> well, listen, there's a lot of great people around me, and I like to put them first if you can. You know, there's a lot of great stories, and certainly I'm happy to tell mine, too. But I think when we lift other people up, we elevate the, the entire world around us. Yeah. You do seem um, like you really enjoy helping other people, and, and we'll get into some of the other ways that you do that as well. But... You wouldn't do it if you didn't like it. And, uh, and I know that you do do it a lot. Well, yeah, I mean, it's I think the I feel that when we have resources that we're fortunate enough to have or work hard enough to have or connections, talents, whatever that is, I just feel that it's our it's our duty to give that away as much as we can. And uh, so so I, I feel that there's so many ways to empower others to then be able to eventually do that as well and become and build whether it's wealth or a talent or skills or a passion i think there's just abilities that we all have to do that and help others in in the process and for things like aviation i mean it's you talk to any aviator and 99.999 percent maybe 100 percent will say there is nothing that gives them greater joy than flying there's nothing like that feeling when you first pull the yoke up uh, on rotate and take off and or do aerobatics or spins or whatever it is. And so I think there's this this passion that connects us all. And when we get to introduce others to that and help others achieve that, because there's a significant barrier to entry financially and just and just the, the, the challenges that come with with under, the understanding and, and learnings of aviation and we can help some along that path. I mean, it's the greatest gift we can give them. Yeah. Did you did you feel like when you got into aviation, um, were you feeling like more more of a desire to help than you had before you got into aviation, or have you always kind of been that way? Well, I uh, kind of. Uh, I would say yes, and and it was always there. Uh, about eight or nine years ago, I had started a, a nonprofit. Uh, in in the upper Midwest uh, mental health nonprofit after I lose, lost my brother and so it was always in me to be able to really help and support people in a bigger way after I'd seen so much tragedy and realized you know what there's a lot of people really struggling and there's a lot of great solutions that actually just need someone to focus on it and they might take some resources or not very much, but someone just needs to actually do it. And so it was always ingrained in me, especially from being a little kid and, um, you know, through church and everything with my family and stuff. It was very important for us and just ingrained in me to, to give back. But when I also saw that you can not only give back, but but you can empower someone to elevate them to a whole nother level where they create their own life and create their own uh, like elevate themselves beyond that and actually learn and things about themselves they didn't know existed or were a part of them. I think that's just always been, it, it was a part of me about eight or nine years ago when I started that nonprofit. And then when I got into aviation, it was like, well, I saw the template that could happen from all the work that I'd done previously. Why don't we jump into that in aviation too? And then, and then my schedule is not really full. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the more we do and like want to do in aviation, um, you know, I didn't realize when I got my private pilot's license that I would even go on to do anything else in aviation. I was just going to fly a plane and stay local. And it was, that was it until you meet somebody and then, and then you start sharing and then you don't want to stop sharing and, you know, giving out scholarships and just like, I, 
I would rather give than receive because I'm just like so passionate about it and it changed my life a hundred percent. So I think giving that to somebody else is just awesome. It is. It really is. You you totally get it. It's, it's, it's an incredible feeling, but it's fun to see them then even pay that beyond and and giving support. Right. If you do it for someone else and someone receives it, then they're much more likely, I feel like, to want to to turn around and help someone else out. So if you just kind of keep that going, then that's beneficial to everyone. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of life lessons and stuff that end up being learned along the way. I mean, we've had people that we've given, uh, like they've allowed, they've been able to use one of our aircraft for some flight training. And we said we trusted them. We gave them uh, every ability to use it and everything. And let's just say in that process, um, there were some growing pains because I think they didn't realize the gift they were being given. And uh, we definitely were very, very, like very, very generous and to uh, to a certain point. And then I remember after that, they were like, okay, wow, we had no idea how much of a gift that was because we drained our entire savings just paying for one rating. I can't thank you enough. I have a whole new perspective on appreciation for the gifts that are given. And so it's, it's, it's well beyond even just the, the, the flight ratings you give them. It's the training. Um, it's the things they'll learn beyond the check ride that you teach them, but, but just so much about life too, that they learn yeah. and hopefully gain some wisdom too. Yeah. Yeah. So you have, um, you also are involved in, uh, an, I know of one organization, but maybe you're involved in more aviation organizations. And I mean, I know the one that you did recently in Olive Branch, but the the female, the fast thing. Can you talk a little bit about about yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely touch on a few of them. Um, so the the one that you just mentioned down in Olive Branch is the Luke Weathers Flight Academy. It's o, part of OBAP, which is the Organization of Black Aerospace Professionals, and they have an incredible flight school there that has, I would say, 30, 40, maybe 50 students in awesome flight school that um, is taking students from private pilot through CFI and hopefully even um, beyond that. And so we've given flight scholarships to them. And so my husband and I are both MEIs and in our twin Comanche, we said, well, why don't we just, instead of even giving them the dollars for it, why don't we actually train them in an accelerated course? So let's do it in seven days. And so we did that for three different students there. And, you know, those, those can cost anywhere from 5,000 to 8,000, even $10,000 if the hours for those. And so uh, we were, we were thrilled to be able to give that to them. Um, We've actually even donated an aircraft to them for them to use for some single engine. And then um, with FAST, um, the female aviators sticking together, love that organization. I'm a board member there. And that's roughly 12 or 13 plus thousand female pilots worldwide. So I know you ladies are members there and it's all certificated pilots and beyond and, and above. And that organization I think is so unique because what they are is such a, a platform for a community of support for female aviators. So FAST is a nonprofit. We give scholarships out, anything from type ratings to helicopter to CFI to to getting back in flight, as well as one-of-a-kind summits that are a little bit more intimate and personal and smaller, which are amazing. We've got one coming up in in this fall, as well as um, a mentorship program that's certificated. So people actually go through like 18 months with a specific uh, mentor pilot. Well, 
the platform, the, one of the great platforms we have is Facebook. So a Facebook page that is dedicated to all these 12,000 plus female pilots that can say anything and can, can, can have any issue resolved or, or any, uh, any support that they need, whether it's, I have a check ride coming up. Can someone help me? Like, has anyone done a multi check ride or CFI or is anyone in the area? Can they help me out and do some flying or, uh, even more serious items or like harassment and that sort of thing. And, uh, but it's just this incredible community that I haven't seen in other industries and for them to have been able to build that is, is a true testament to their ability and, and their passion, the founders, um, to be able to grow something like that. Um, and so I think it's, I love that organization and it's, fast and running at a million miles an hour too it's exactly what it's its name is yeah. <laughs> um, and then i have all, i also do work with women in aviation so the local chapter in minnesota stars at the north i've been on the board there um vp for a couple of years and that's just been really fun too to to do some work with the local chapter and that's connected of course to the national organization or international women in aviation and they do some really incredible stuff as well equally as especially around a girls in aviation day which is a worldwide event in september and so it's fun to be a part of supporting that next generation and those who've never even been introduced to it as in in with women in aviation in that in that space of the girls in aviation day and then getting to do a lot with fast which is a lot based on okay now you have your private pilot and now you want to get your commercial or now you got the job how do you take that next step? That's uh, what they're really focused on. And, and it's been fun to be, to see all sides and aspects of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, so I think the fast platform is just amazing because you go on there one day and people are, you know, helping each other train for, you know, certifications and things, or the next day they just need like personal help or, but, mm -hmm. but I've never mm -hmm. seen another organization or anything that like where women are just like really willing to step up and help each other and you know in real life sometimes we're very um not helpful to other women or you know judgmental or whatever but I think fast has really created an environment that um it's very open and supportive and I'm I'm very lucky to have you know our su a support group of women yeah so. yeah I've actually seen um, some comments on there, which I, I think is in, where someone may kind of go down a negative um, path, and then someone else chimes in, is like, "Hey, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do that. We're not gonna have that on on this yep. on this platform. That's not what we're here for." And I think that's great. Yeah, that it's, I'm glad you've noticed that because because um, we do have a set of values like integrity, honesty. Um, respect, kindness, th those are definitely the core values of it because it's not going to be a place to bash anyone, period. It's just, it's not going to be one of those places. It's going to be a supportive environment that, that helps each other and of course challenges you when you need to be, but in the, in being a supportive way that creates a positive place for people to want to keep coming back to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I saw, by the way, on uh, the, I don't know if you saw it, the Women in Aviation uh, YouTube uh, video they made where they gave, you know, they kind of recognize who the, received the scholarships and stuff. I saw your scholarships. You had two, right? Yeah. yeah, we did. We did. We we also gave two scholarships through Women in Aviation. So same thing. We we love our multi-engine rating scholarships because yeah. it's just 
for us, we really we know that's the gateway to the big jobs, and and it's also I think the most fun to fly multi engines. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I love them all. But um, but we we wanted to give one away, and it was a financial scholarship to be able to get their multi engine rating. And then, you know what? We we saw all these applicants, and we were like, you know what? There are there's at least one more that we want to give away. So we ended up giving another one where we trained the individual and we're able to give them uh, that their, their multi-engine rating. And so, yeah. you know, for us, we, we get as much out of it as they do because we love to see them take flight in another level. We love to see people learn things and get this aha moment, these breakthroughs. And, and it's, it's just, it's so much fun. And the people are so passionate about it. Um, if they've gotten to this level where they, they need a scholarship and want one and go after it, they are all in, and um, and we appreciate that because I, if there's if there's one thing that that we are so many of the things that we're looking for in scholarship applicants are force multipliers. So when we give, it's going to multiply tenfold in their abilities as they go into life. Um, the the impacts that they'll make, um, maybe the ways that they'll give back someday in life, and. So we want to see people that take the initiative, that people that have the passion and that work really, really hard with a great positive attitude. It's just, it's just yep. that period. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. And now you said that the multi-engine, you said this when we were at Sun and Fun and you yeah. kind of mentioned it before, it's kind of your thing. You, you really <laughs> like that. Why? Why is that? Well, I think, so I there's always an ongoing ever debate of what's safer. Is it a single engine or a multi-engine? Most, a lot of people will say multi-engine because you have two engines, but some say if the engine goes out, you don't control it right. I mean, so I'm not even going to get into a debate about yeah. that, but I personally like to have more engines if possible, like yeah. from a safety standpoint. Um, but more often than not, they're faster. So I, so me not being really introduced to aviation until I was, well into my 30s. I mean, being on airplanes, of course, but not really truly being the GA general aviation side of things. Um, if I would have been introduced when I was like 10 or 12, I don't even think there would have been a question as to whether I would have tried to um, go into the Navy, Air Force, or Marines to be able to be a fighter pilot, like period. I love speed. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I, so generally uh, twin engine aircraft are, are faster. I also think you have more opportunities in the aircraft you're flying than the types of aircraft because a lot, uh, you have a lot of great multi-engine airplanes. Um, as I've gotten into the Citation series, uh, I've really truly found my true love is is in Citations. Um, they're they're like little Ferraris of the sky uh, amongst other small small mid business jets. They're 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 so fast. They're beautiful. They're so capable you can go up to 45,000 feet in, in ours and and then as you're coming down if you're going through icing or any significant weather you the thrust on the engines is so much and all of the anti-ice de-ice is so much on the aircraft you're generally going to be fine going through um, even some tough stuff mm -hmm. so it's the when you have the capabilities and the speed it's just it's really, really, really fun. But yeah. then you also have twice the maintenance and twice the potential problems if, if you do have some maintenance issues because you have two engines. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I can't yeah. imagine I can't. How, how, how complex that would be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, have you, but, Natalie, have you done your multi? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I haven't done multi. So I'm like, I'm sitting here thinking of like doing stalls and steep turns and like those kinds of things and multi engines. And I'm just like, Oh gosh, like, (laughs) well, maybe you'll have to come out and come for a little discovery flight with that with us then sometime because, um, because I, I think it's, it's, yes, it's more complex, but as you, you take a step into a new aircraft, generally taking a step into one that's more similar to the previous one you've had, it works, such as a Twin Comanche or um, a, a Baron or uh, a Duchess of some sort, like a light twin, you could handle. If you were taking a step into a Citation or a Boeing, you know, a, seven, or a 737 or something, that'd be, you know, obviously a significant jump. Yeah. And, and um, the, big, the big differences, um, when I tell everyone around multi-engine training, the biggest differences, or the I should say mostly what they focus on, is just uh, often... What, what they're focusing on in, in the check ride and the training and everything is a lot around, okay, you have two engines, which is fantastic. Um, but if an engine goes out, there's considerably different things that happen versus a single engine. When a single engine goes out, you're looking for a place to land and you're gliding and all of that. Um, but if, a, if an engine goes out on a multi-engine, uh, you still have so much thrust coming from the other engine that you can yaw and and roll. And so you have to counteract that and do certain things in the aircraft called the drill and a couple other things. But that it's, it's those big differences in the training that it focuses on. But the stalls, power on, power off, accelerated, are very similar to your single engine work. And uh, and the pattern is very similar, just a little bit larger. So it's, it's, it is definitely, definitely doable and, and really fun. It is very fun, yeah. The first time I took off in the in the twin, I think I did mine in a um, oh, it was some kind of Piper. Um, I can't remember, but I thought, holy moly, this thing is fast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it it climbs at twelve, thirteen, fourteen hundred foot per minute yeah. versus the five hundred foot per minute yes. or or so in yeah. in like a Piper Cherokee that I trained right. in or a Cessna. Yeah, it was so fun. I was like, oh, this feels like a little fighter jet, kind of. It was cool. (laughs) I I got to fly with CFI just um, because he needed to ferry it. So I got some hours in it, but we didn't do any training or anything. Like wrapping my head around like the training of it, I think is just like complex, you know, and I think the accelerated course would definitely be something that would be very beneficial to people just to be in that environment and kind of get used to that yeah so absolutely I think that there's there's huge benefits to accelerated course and there's also things to know about it so the course that we do through Getz Aviation is is accelerated course which is like it'll be maybe six or seven days and it is flying every single day one couple hours in the morning couple hours in the afternoon for the entire week and then the other portion of that of course is ground school and we give you documents beforehand to study uh, and learnings all around multi-engine operations, around VMC, which is the minimum controllable airspeed with uh, your um, critical engine out or one of the engines out. So it's 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 so much around just the multi-engine uh, operations piece and then systems and performance and, and, and a few other pieces around if it's commercial operations. But the the training uh, is is think of it, I mean, you're, you might condense a month down into six or seven days. And I, I try to prepare people for that to say, you will do nothing else in these seven days, but fly and, and eat, breathe, sleep, 
everything aviation in this time. And otherwise, it's probably going to get end up getting extended because um, it's it's just so much and you're learning so much. It's like a fire hose, but yeah. it's totally doable. And a lot of we've had many students do it just fine. And there's a lot of accelerated courses that can do it. But yeah. if you get in the mindset where you say that is all I'm doing for six or seven days, no work as much as possible um, and other pieces. Um, and of course, taking breaks where you need to. That's very important. Yeah. But um, but really focusing fully on that, you can do it. Um, like I know, Natalie, you did your CFI yeah. Yeah. in that way. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, because several people, you know, have reached out and asked more about that, if it's really possible. And really, your mindset has to be, I'm not doing anything else, you know, mm -hmm. and and they even told them in the evenings, okay, so you fly twice a day. And then in the evenings, you really go back and you study more. So you're really, right. you're not chilling. No. You're no. <laughs> yeah. I it's think until the time you wake up, till the time you go to bed. Yeah, I think yes, yes. if I were to do it, I definitely think like knowing these ins and outs are very important, um, knowing what to expect. Um, and I think, you know, for me, I'd want to have like everything studied, but then like be kind of re reviewing it more so every night instead of having to like, you know, then you're behind the airplane or you're behind on your studies yep. and you're yep. struggling and then you're stressed. And so I think going into it with that mindset of like, this is all I'm doing for a week and kind of getting yourself prepared is beneficial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right. If you, if you go in with, and I always do a, a video call beforehand and go over in about an hour and a half or so, a lot, the check ride, the, um, the, the, everything they need to know what's going to be on the check ride and, and what the training will be like, then they, they're really prepared then. And I give them all the documents, um, they can get them on the website so they can access all of those, which is great. And then I say, if, if, if you want to get the most out of this training and, and make it the easiest for you, study now. And if you're going to be here in two weeks, study now and know all these documents cold, and then we'll yeah. dive deeper into them. But then for you, it's just a little bit of a refresher because uh, once you get in the airplane, there's a lot to learn. And, and if you haven't used a variable pitch or a constant speed propeller aircraft, that's a little bit of a, a learning curve too, a totally doable one, yeah. but you're trying to minimize because as we all know, flight training can be mind numbing in, and so exhausting mm -hmm. and you just feel like you hit a wall or a plateau and it happens, but those who are able to get through it are the ones that really, really succeed. And so far we've been really, you know, seen a lot of all great, really, really great students. Yeah. So you're talking about video um, chatting with your students before they come, and I'm I'm sitting here listening to you, and I know some of the things you do in your in your business uh, has a lot to do with coaching and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, I mean, this is just seems like every I love it when things just kind of fall into place, and and you have all these your experiences have led you to a certain to a certain mm -hmm. spot, and probably and maybe you can talk about this your past career as, as a broadcaster what you're doing now in your in your business how does all that make you a really good instructor well it's funny when I first got on the radios for the first time I didn't have any problem because uh, I certainly didn't know exactly what to say but I had no problem broadcasting to the tower or ground or whomever yeah. um, from inside the air, air aircraft because I was so used to talking to thousands, tens of thousands of people every night, um, you know, over 5,000 newscasts. And so yeah. that was, uh, a, it's, it's a really good question because 
I think there are some things in life we don't know what they're preparing us for and we don't know how it will fit, but it does. And it, as a broadcaster, as a journalist, like a boots on the ground reporter where you're going out and having to get stories, you have to be incredibly resourceful because you're going out and getting a story and you have no idea if the other person will talk to you about this, if you have the right, if you are able to track down the right information, if you're able to put something together in time for a five o'clock newscast when you just started at like noon or even 9 a.m. And so you're always finding ways to get what you need to be able to get the right information out there. And that resourcefulness has really, really been one of the things that's been really helpful of being a pilot because you do have to be resourceful in the cockpit. You do have to be trained and, and study. And you also have to know where to and bring that out in emergency situations or, or any situation. And I then think as well in, in learning how to be a good communicator and over the years, I've, I still learn today from my students how to be a good communicator to them because I'm learning more from my students than I am, I feel like, than they're learning from me, even though they say they learn a lot, which is good. Uh, but I'm always learning something new from them. Like, okay, someone who I thought knew everything about high-speed aircraft because they had flown fast aircraft that were single engine or had been in other multi-engines, I may have assumed that they knew what they were doing and, and, and maybe didn't explain it as well. And I realized, Every diff every new aircraft someone sits in and gets in is completely new. And treating them all from the ground up as the same was a really, really helpful piece to help me then be a better communicator to them. Not laying it all out or talking down or anything, but it was more like, I'm going to explain this in such a good way to every single one of them so they know the basics and foundation from the beginning and not assume anything, which I think is... Um, I know in my training when I coach executives on how to be great communicators and leaders and, and inspiring, uh, they have to uh, come with a point of curiosity versus assuming people know things. Because when we yeah. start doing that, we assume wrong half the time. Yeah. And, and so helping, that's helped me be uh, a really great, I think, as a, as a CFI, uh, being a great communicator, but also the EQ piece, the emotional intelligence has to be at like a 15 for really good flight instructors because everyone reacts to stress differently. And I will sit next to someone, uh, a student in, in the cockpit, and one of them is doing just fine. We're flying the ILS on one engine and they're doing great. And I'm, and I'm you know, okay, you're doing great. And maybe give some tips or watch out, don't do this and, and helping guide them. And we get down and all of a sudden, um, they're like, I can't do it. I, nope, I'm done for the day. And I'm like, you were doing, you were doing great. What happened? And, and now I've learned that little things like um, from different types of people responding to stress different ways, I can see so much more. And when someone is getting to their threshold, like can't learn anything more today, um, I'm done. And, and helping work through that and say, all right, let's take a break. You do need a break. Let's, let's, let's go on to something else. Or let's take a break for the day and go home. And so I think all of that has really helped me learn and observe and listen more than, than anything. And, and the, the CFI of just like your private pilot and just like any other rating is completely a certificate or a license to learn. And I learned so much from my students and they teach me things every single day and it helps me then be a better instructor um, beyond that. Yeah. True. Uh, yeah. I've got a couple couple students, and one of them I went flying with the other day, and 
and he has another instructor as well. So he's he's trying to use two different instructors. And, you know, I I hate it because I'm like, has your instructor told you this? You know, because we don't communicate, me and this other instructor. So assuming that they haven't, you know, like, has your instructor talked to you about this? Because I just want to make sure you understand, blah, blah, blah. And make just doing that. And I think Alyssa and I have talked about that before when she went flying with me. I assumed that. She knows how to fly my airplane. She yeah. doesn't know how to fly my airplane. <laughs> Just because she's a pilot. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. And I, 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 I've had friends that I that are pilots that are instrument rated pilots. You know, they have more hours than me. They have all of these things. And then I hand over the controls, and I'm not a CFI whatsoever. And you know, on final, I was letting them fly it because I was like, why not? And you know, I was kind of on the controls, but they flared way too early and I had a panic and I was like nose down, you know, like I didn't panic, but like I said something and he kind of yelled back at me and I, I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, you know, it's just like those tense situations. And I think about being a CFI and like how well you have to read your student and how you have yeah. to communicate. And it's like a relationship. And, you know, when I, when I was doing my flight training, it was, you know, he was very laid back. He was very quiet. So I guess we got along fine, but you know, I, I've never had the other kind of end, end of the spectrum where they were like yelling at me or anything. But um, yeah. I think you definitely like, you have to have a good instructor. You have to mesh well, you have to be able to communicate. I remember crying like under my foggles, mm. like, and I'm like, yeah. well, I definitely can't see now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I couldn't see before, but I really can't <laughs> to laugh at me. Like, you know, it was just, I, I think we all have been in those moments of training where it's hard. We're done for the day. Like you've pushed yourself to your limit and you, like you're getting close to a check ride and like the pressure's on. And I think, especially with like an accelerated course like that, I think it would be so much pressure. So I could see where those and just those things happen. And, and I think... CFIs yeah, yeah. really have their work cut out for them. <laughs> well, I think you you end up having a, like the most immense respect for for all teachers, yeah. and especially for like all my grade school teachers. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're all saints. Um, but it's it, it certainly goes. You're absolutely right. Being able to be cognizant of what the other person's experiencing and when you need to stop or when you need to actually go, you can do this. Let's do it one more time. Like, don't yeah. let that fear get in the way. Don't let that, that yeah. not a lack of confidence, like you can do this. And that's, that's the instructor's job too. If they are really talented and there's just their own personal blockage getting in the way, it's your job to, to push them beyond that in a positive and supportive way and, yeah. and get them through that. But it's certainly, there's a, so much patience that goes into being a, a CFI and you always try to put yourself in their shoes that their workload is immense when they're sitting in that other seat and and trying to be patient with them. And sometimes you have to say, we're gonna debrief in a couple of hours. Why don't you just, you know, we don't need to talk about this at the moment um, because it's not gonna be helpful. You can't even hear it at the moment. Let's let's debrief in a couple of hours. Um, and then there are times where they just wanna clip through it. So it's, it's yeah. um, no, not one has been the same, that's for sure. That's right. And I feel like I'm always trying to evaluate because each person's so different throughout the flight, I'm trying to evaluate, am I saying too much? How are they responding? Do I need to say more? When are they doing better? When I'm talking more, when I'm talking less, you know, and it's just like this constant, especially when someone you don't even know, like 
personally. Yeah. You don't know yeah. anything about yeah. them. And so you're trying so, to figure all that out. Absolutely. And I think one of the best things you can do, and this is part of the coaching I do in my business, is is one of the best things we can do is remove all assumption and actually ask them some questions. And so I've started now with my students to, at the beginning of our trainings, ask them, what kind of learner are you? So do you like things more visual or do you like them written out, rote memorization? Do you like people telling you every step of the way in the cockpit or do you need me to stay quiet a lot and you just figure it out and I'll, I'll of course guide along the way and correct where needed? You know, where where is that? Um, because one of our students, um, she she was like, like for one of us, she was like, you're, you're, I can't handle the talking. Like, it's just too much. Mm-hmm. You need to just let me fly. And, and it was, it probably wasn't even all that much, but she was just so used to a type of training that was like very silent and she kind of had to figure it out on her own. So it was like, okay, well, happy to. Um, but then uh, of course, sometimes they learn in there that then you're not helping them and they're like, okay, can you speak up a little bit? Because yeah. uh, I need some help. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's definitely like interesting. Um, in the beginning of my training, I didn't really know any other female pilots or pilots at all. And now that I'm so aware of everybody's training and how different their training is in like 141 versus 61 and like all of these things, um, I feel like I was so judgmental of my own time and like my schedule of I need to solo at 10 hours and I need to finish at 50 and I need to like be on these points but everybody is on such a different journey and they have so much other things going on in their life. And I learned things when I was flying of don't fly when you're super stressed. Don't fly. Um, if you had drinks the night before, because you're just going to be mush. Like your brain is just not in it. Um, just things like that, that I, I didn't know until I was in it. And, um, that's, I, I hope these kind of conversations and like the fast group and everything, I think it really helps kind of, get people through those and not have that judgmental eye on themselves yeah. um, to get through training because everybody's journey is so different. Yeah. Well, I, I would totally echo that, Alyssa. I think it's a great point because uh, I've never seen one student who's done it in the exact same amount of hours. It ranges anywhere in multi-training from 10 to 15 hours, um, but that is definitely when someone is prepared, they're ready, they've studied beforehand, uh, they've even watched some videos online. They they're, they're, they're really prepared and ready to go. And it can push into 15 to 20 hours for those who aren't as skilled in a certain area or just can't conceptualize all of it. And so you, you, you definitely not giving yourself and, and just having some grace for yourself because you do the same thing for someone else, but we're really harsh on ourselves. So yeah. to giving yourself that grace and saying, okay, what do I need to do to get better then? What do I need to do to, um, to, to accelerate myself in this, in this next hour or two of training versus being so, so tough? Yeah, yeah. Well, one of my favorite things that we, we talked a little bit about when I went through private was actually learning what kind of learner I was. Like, I mm-hmm. never really knew. And they were asking me, I was like, what? I don't know. I, and it was like figuring that out. And, you know, I use that all the time now because I know what works best for me. And that, that was one of the most beneficial things for me ever. Natalie, Natalie is such a list person. So I just totally picture like lists and, you know, regimented like schedules and everything. And for me, it's very visual. Um, 
like I went and flew this weekend and we did aerobatics and I wanted, I'm like, okay, whatever we just did, when we get back, can you show me on a YouTube video that maneuver and how it's actually done on paper versus flying it? Because I I loved Mm -hmm. being in it and seeing it, but I don't know what that looks like. So it's a very visual thing. And I was a solid C student in high school, junior high, like solid C. And I think well, it, it doesn't like show now, wasn't, my dear. <laughs> I wasn't interested in it. You know, I wasn't, I didn't have a passion for it. I didn't have something that pushed me. Aviation changed that. And yeah, and then it kind of starts to build your mind of like, what kind of learner am I? And, yeah. and what what am I good at? And what yeah. do I need to really work on to get to the next level? So yeah, I think that's aviation. Is, yeah, that self-awareness is just, that can save you even hours in flight training and learning when you finally realize you learn a certain way. Uh, yeah. And it's and so any sort of self-awareness that anyone has, even just how they respond to certain things, do they respond? Some people respond really well to really pointed direct criticism and they like it. They're like, just tell me how it is. And others are like, that would just ruin me. Uh, you know, so you need to figure out even for yourself, what, what can you handle and what, you know, who are you in, in, in that to be able to receive that information the best especially knowing that for good CFIs, they have your best interest in mind and they're telling you these things so you get better, not generally because of anything else. And so, so that's, that's at the core of it, that the feedback is actually a gift. So do you have, um, and I don't know if you know this or not, but do, would you say that you struggle with anything in particular with you when you're training? Like, do you have a hard time not talking or do you have do you you know there's different things that maybe you struggle with what what are some of those things or as an instructor or as a pilot as an instructor as an instructor I think what what I probably can have the, the the challenge with is when I know the person's capable and I we've gone through it 10 15 times and they're still not doing it and getting it and and that is for me it's just hard to see because Mm -hmm. i know they have the ability and the capabilities but at at some point as a teacher as an instructor you go i i don't i don't know how else to explain this i don't know how else to get through to you so what do i need to do and so you know i'll take i'll spend time trying to figure that out and and at some point uh sometimes you're not the right instructor for them yeah Sometimes they need to learn from someone else or actually sometimes they just need a break yeah. uh, from that training and an accelerated course might be not the way for them. Yeah. But, right. but I think the, that's kind of the area where I just, it's hard for me to, to see that yeah. in, in someone else. And cause I just want to go, well, just do it like this here, I'll show you. And it's like, well, that's not going to help because exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's probably, but I, I have learned over time here definitely to get more, um, to be much more cognizant of how much I say in, in the cockpit because they need to, they're just focusing on how to hold altitude sometimes because it's a faster aircraft and there's a lot more going on. And then uh, figuring out just where, what button is where and what knob yeah. does what. And so just being a little bit patient and I have, wow, changed a lot, I think in that, in the best way to be able to just patiently uh, and and with the, the the kindest, most respectful, but also direct tone for yeah. them. Yeah. 
Yeah. I honestly think when I go back to like training, if somebody would have like printed out or told me to print out the panel picture yes. of the aircraft you were learning in, if somebody would have told me that and I would have printed it, you know, cause I was sitting at home and you kind of like, kind of want to think about it and like hand, you know, like chair fly it. it. <laughs> yeah. And if I would have had that, like, then, then you know where to look. Cause I think in the very beginning, I was just like, what's happening? Like yeah, I was looking all yeah. at all of these gauges and power. And, and yeah. so had I had that visual, I think that would have worked really well yeah. for me. I think it's just, yeah, everybody's so different in their learning. And, yeah. and, and I, especially in, when you go into a training in a different aircraft, that's not, that's not yours. I couldn't agree with you more. It's, 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 yeah. it's one of the best things you can do to chair fly that. Uh, but also, too, uh, one of the big things that we encourage our students to do when they come is that make sure you know your instrument approaches approaches very well, uh, because um, for the, the multi-engine checkride add-on uh, or, or any of them, if you're going to use instruments with it, if you're instrument rated, you will be doing a, an ILS approach or a precision approach. You'll be doing an approach. And... Um, you have to do it on one engine and you can do it. Yeah. It's just fine. It's, it's great. But um, the, it's hard enough to do a nice like precision in like perfectly stabilized approach. It's, it's always a little bit of a, you're, all, you're, you're focused. And, yeah. um, but then to do it on a single engine is even harder. And so if there's yeah. one thing students can do going into any, especially multi-engine, I would say get sharp on your instruments and even chair fly through approaches or um, or definitely get out there and, and just go up with an instructor or, or do a bunch of approaches yourself. And the second piece to that is learning what kind of avionics that aircraft has. Um, because you mm -hmm. see a lot of people that go from, they might go from uh, a, a suite that's a little bit older in the Garmin series or, or really brand new glass cockpit. They're doing the same thing, but they definitely have different different inputs. And so to dial in a frequency or to activate the approach, um, some of them, you don't have to do all those five or six steps in, in some, in maybe the 430 versus a 750, it's a little bit different. And so it's, that is where I would say people can spend the most time at home or learning on YouTube or whatever, of whatever aircraft they're gonna be flying in, make sure that you know what avionics it is and how to program approach approaches and how to do them, especially how to do missed approaches as well. So yeah. it, that would really, really, really help the training be less daunting too. Yeah, good point. I always so, felt like in the, in the beginning, I, I always wanted to fly a Piper because that's what I knew. That's, I knew the 430, like I didn't want to fly any other aircraft. So I bought that aircraft. I bought that exact airplane because I was like, I, I, that's what I know. What I didn't realize is you get very complacent or you get very just like in your flow and not looking at the checklists and that kind of thing. Now, now that I'm in a club and I have four aircraft that I fly and then I fly a lot of friends aircraft and that as well, it's made me 100% a better pilot just because you're always aware of the checklist. You're always aware of, oh, yeah. you know, your eyes and knowing where everything is. And before you even start up, make sure you know where everything is. Um, yeah. it's, yes. it, it's a game changer when you're doing the radios and glass cockpit versus steam gauges. And um, 
I mean, it's yeah. a time saver if you could just do it on the ground and know what yeah, those events are. Absolutely, because it's not like it's a rental car. You can just pull over on the side of the right. road if there's something not right. working. It's in the air. You can't yeah. really stop. Don't waste <laughs> yeah. your time and yeah. paying good amounts of money to be yeah. learning the G1000. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've done so with some of the airplanes. I've been flying a lot of different airplanes with this this um, person that I know. He's a very few planes. And before I even start the engine, I'm like, okay, now where is everything? You know, like, you know, let me make sure I know what I've got here. You know, what's what kind of GPS do I have? Because they're all they're all different. And it's like, okay, well, I need to remember how I'm going to do this before I get that Hobbs meter turning or whatever. You know, and start turning the engine. It's like, let me get my let me get my bearings here a little bit and see where everything's at. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think for, for any pilots out there who are listening and any aspiring pilots or even current career pilots, um, the some of the best advice I ever got was was is from my husband who actually has created a checklist of any new aircraft you go into. Here are the things you need to know about it to make sure that you're, you're sharp on. So yeah. it's everything from, of course, you need to know the V speeds, what's rotate, if it's, mm-hmm. uh, if it's, uh, a jet or something, you know, V1, V2, um, and and all the performance, so takeoff and landing distances, all those things we of course talk about, but then it goes even deeper into what specific avionics does the does this specific airplane have? Um, what specific um, are there characteristics that are a little bit different on this one versus something else, and and everything around that to to basically see it as something brand new. So I think so for myself, I've actually made my own checklist into every uh, new aircraft yeah. that I fly. And even if they're similar aircraft, you know, I fly multiple different and they're in diff- they're definitely very, very different in as far as size and, and takeoff and landing distances and all of that. And I've realized I, I have to go down that and go, okay, what are the V speeds in this again? Um, what are our weight limitations? What are, you know, all these things. And, um, and that's created it creates it new each time and, and a refresher, but it really solidifies yeah. to make sure it's the right, uh, the, the right flying characteristics and everything for the, for the aircraft that you're flying. Yeah. 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 I have a little notepad and a little um, thing of scotch tape in my flight bag so that I can write yeah. the base down and tape them up on the thing. Cause I don't want to oh, yeah. look for them when I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I need to be rotating, but I forgot where I'm rotating. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be looking for it then. Please yeah. no. <laughs> I am like, I can't even dig them out right now on my desk, but I am like the queen of post-its. And I I started using note cards um, during my flight training because I'd put all the frequencies down. Like, yes, you have them on flight or you have them in your Garmin, but I always just would write them out. So like I physically had Mm -hmm. them in my brain somewhere, you know, and I had them on a piece of paper in case everything failed. I have a backup. You have your V speeds, you have your, you know, just everything. And so... I'm definitely yeah. the note taker now. <laughs> That's good. It's you can never take too many notes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Stephanie. So what's next for you? What's in your yeah. aviation future? What are your plans? Well, maybe it will be like a warbird or a fighter one of these days. Who knows? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, where it will be now is uh, really spending a lot of time in the Citation series, uh, as well as um, the, the multi-engine training. Uh, they're my favorite, I love them. And so doing more of that and helping people get their ratings and and and, and having people come to me to be able to get them their wings. Um, but we'll see, I, I am now 
relatively smart enough to know to never say never about something. Yes. And so if it will be the airlines someday, that would be truly incredible. If it's going to be more corporate flying, fantastic. If it's whatever that's going to be, um, I think ultimately I'm going to let the path lead me there and, and continue to do as much as I can in the process. I I would certainly like to get, so I have my seaplane rating, which is the most fun rating to get, I think. Yes. Holy cow. Like, hi, it's a plane, and all of a sudden it's a boat in one second. Yes. So that's amazing. <laughs> um, and, uh, but I want to get my multi-engine in that, and that's, we'll see. We'll see about that. That's there. That's a yeah, really water amazing. Wings. Water wings. I believe it's down in hey. Alabama. So they, okay. they're one of the few in the country that do multi seaplane and actually my friend Andrew's dad is the instructor for them. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, maybe I'll have there to you go. Yeah. 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 Just seeing where the path will go. So you never know where it will go. I know. Totally. It's one one of the things I've definitely learned. I don't you never know where things are gonna lead. You just keep kind of riding out what you're enjoying and stick to it and be open to whatever, you know? Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I don't want to keep you anymore, but I do want to say one thing. I want to share an experience that that I had with you. I've had a lot of really good ones. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. Is it a really bad one? one? No. <laughs> no, I've only had positive experiences with you. Oh, good. But I want to talk about when you came to Cincinnati and um, I had, Alyssa and I had had that forced landing. And yeah. I was scared to death to fly. And I'm going to try not to cry because I get emotional. But you insisted on coming down and taking me flying. And you knew I was so nervous. And like every bump in that airplane, I was jumping. And you're like, it's fine. Everything's fine. And we did a little girls trip and went over to this little town in Indiana and spent the night. And, um, you know, it was just really nice of you to, to take the time and spend the money to fly down here in, in your airplane and take me up and, I really appreciate it. Well, Natalie, the pleasure was all mine. I, I could come visit you anytime. It was, I knew that, um, I also know it's not easy to be in that situation where you feel like you're completely alone and like, and afraid whether you'll ever get to be able to do the thing that has given you some of the greatest joy. And I just, I, I knew you needed to get back on the horse and you couldn't stay off long. And, and so that easing into it um, yeah. was hopefully helpful. It was. It, it meant a lot to me. I'm struggling Good. in a lot of a lot of areas with that whole ordeal, so I won't yeah. forget it. Oh well, it was my pleasure. I had so much fun. We we have to go back to French Lick, like and maybe yeah. with Larry Bird or something. I don't know, but I know <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. It's a hidden gem. I'd recommend it to anyone. Yeah, we Thanks definitely need a girls flying weekend again this year, so we should definitely plan that. I think yeah. we should absolutely plan that right away. <laughs> Definitely. So tell everybody where they can find you on social media and all yeah. that good stuff. Absolutely. So on Instagram, it's aviator boss lady, all one word. Uh, so uh, aviator pilot. And of course the boss lady part is the businesses that, that, that I run. Um, but then there's uh, the websites for Gets, communi gets communications is just gets calm with two m's.com but you spell my name g-o-e-t-z it's german um and then c-o-m-m.com you can just look up stephanie gets um gets communications as well and gets aviation is also gets aviation.com so i'm happy to hear from any of you but it's really been a true pleasure to be able to be on with you ladies i love and admire you both and and really just um love all the things you're doing in aviation to inspire others 
and and help them through any challenges they get through too uh, in aviation. This is this is a gift to the world. Oh, thank, thank you very you much. So much. I think yeah. I think this is why we do it. You know, this is we come together. We we are for the greater good, and I think that's what has made me fall in love with aviation even more than the airplane. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, well, have a great night. Uh, thank you for listening. If you are not subscribed, please subscribe now to Cockpits and Cocktails. I am Natalie Flygirl Kelly, and I'm with my co-host, Fly Alyssa. So good night, ladies. Thank you so much. It was fun. Bye. Bye. Great to see you. Bye. Bye. Bye.